word meditating, thinking upon the sacrifice that Christ made. Um, I want to tell you about a very special place in London, um, which you may or may not know about. It's called Postman's Park. Here's an old photo of it. It's, It's still there. It's just near Barbican. It's kind of tucked away, this kind of haven. And I love, one of my favorite things about London is the parks. Because it's such a busy place and it's like just buildings everywhere. And then you get these havens of peace and quiet and it's just beautiful. And this is a really special place. Because if you go and wander around, you'll find along the walls these plaques which commemorate ordinary people who have died trying to rescue somebody else. Some, some of you may have seen this. There are these plaques. And some of them are new. From like, There's one from 2007. But most of them are, are really old. I'll show you one of them. Alice Ayres, daughter of a bricklayer's labourer, who by intrepid conduct saved three children from a burning house in Union Street Borough, so just near here, at the cost of her own life, April 24, 1885. And there's loads of these really beautiful plaques. And there's something about these stories of everyday heroes who lay down their life for someone in trouble that stirs us. I mean, so many films and books and stories are full of these, and these real-life ones really get our hearts. This morning, I want to tell you about a kind of, a unique kind of sacrifice. One that's really special, different to these ones, and actually harder to swallow. And the reason that we need to hear about this sacrifice is because we're the ones being rescued in it. Now, if you like the stories like this in Postman's Park, then I think you get on quite well with the Apostle Paul, who wrote quite a lot of the New Testament. I think he really liked these stories about sacrifice, kind of ordinary people laying down their lives for the weak. Now, in, in Romans, he um, spends a bit of time kind of musing on this idea of sacrifice, of laying down your life. And this is what he says. See what you think about this. This is what he says about sacrifice. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. It's on the screen if you want to see it. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. So he says stories of sacrifice are pretty rare. Okay, it's pretty rare. But if someone is going to sacrifice themselves for someone, normally they're going to do it for someone who's good. Think about it like this. Um, Say you're walking down Borough High Street after the service, and you see a car coming towards a family member of yours. You're out there, right? You're out there, you push them out of the way. If you take the hit, it doesn't matter. You're going to lay down your life for your family member. Say you see a car coming towards um, a friend, the same. You're going to be out there, you're going to lay down your life. What about if it's a stranger? Probably still. You see a car coming towards someone, even if you don't know them, you take the hit, you go and you help them. What if it's somebody who you know is a bad person? You know someone is a convicted murderer. A terrorist. You might think twice, right? About dying for them? Would we deliberately die for someone we know is truly bad? Not normally. That's what Paul thinks. Normally sacrifices are when people lay down their lives for someone good. And here's why what I want to tell you about this morning is such a unique kind of sacrifice. Because Paul finishes this kind of, his musing about how sacrifices normally goes. And then he goes, he says this about another sacrifice. But, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's something different about this sacrifice. A person might die for another good person, but God demonstrates his love for us 
by giving Jesus while we were still sinners. There's something strange, something unique about this. Christ dying while we were still sinners. And we can't really get or feel how strange this is unless we figure out this term sinners. Because that's, that's what Paul seems to think is the odd thing, is that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. What does that mean? When you hear that term sinners, I don't know what kind of comes into your head. Maybe, maybe for you, sin is kind of a bit of a trivial thing. Maybe Easter is a time of sin because there's lots of chocolate and you've committed to a diet and it's not happening anymore. So that's kind of sin, right? Or it's having fun. You know, God is kind of the mean head teacher in the sky. He's kind of boring and he sees us having fun and he goes, oh, you're having fun. I'm going to call you sinners. You're having fun. So if you see sin that way, it's kind of quite a small thing, right? Sin is just a bit of a trivial thing. Or you might see sin like this, that sin is something that really bad people do. Again, the, the murderers, the terrorists, they're sinners, right? So, so in that view, sin is a really big deal, but it's not my deal. It's, it's somebody else's problem. So sin can be a kind of trivial thing, just little eating chocolate, whatever. Or it's so serious, it's somebody else's problem. It's not me. We're kind of nice people, right? To help us think about what the Bible has to say about sin, I want us to capture a moment in the final hours of Jesus' life. It's one of the moments that we have read out when we listen to those meditations. And I think this is going to help us see what sin is and why this sacrifice is so unique. Picture the scene. Jesus has been arrested. He's been deserted by his friends. And he's being kept... Um, locked in a room with some guards. Outside, his friend Peter is just denied that he even knows who Jesus is. And then these guards turn on Jesus. They, they move towards him and they start beating him. And then they get a blindfold, wrap it around his eyes and continue to beat him. And they mock him. And this is what we heard. Prophesy, who hit you? Now, my question is this. Why blindfold Jesus? They're already beating him. Why blindfold him and then continue to beat him? Think about it. Standing in front of them is the man who claims to be the son of God, right? What greater way to say to this man who claims to be God, we're in control here, not you, than blindfolding him? What more powerful way to say we're powerful, we're in control, and blindfolding him. They try to plunge, think about it, they try to plunge God into darkness to take away his ability to see. Now they have Jesus where they want him, in their control. His power is limited. They have the Son of God at their mercy. Who's God now? And the thing is, those guards get to act out what we all want to do with God. A God who is blindfolded and ours to push around is exactly the kind of God we want. A God who is blindfolded and ours to push around is exactly the kind of God we want. We don't want him to start telling us that he's the one that life should be all about. Who wants to be second? We don't want him to start telling us that he should be the most important person who gets to call the shots. We have impulses and we want to do what we want to do. And so a blindfolded God, a limited God, is a God who can't stop us living how we want to live. We want to live life our own way. And if Jesus doesn't mind kind of being 
a side project, then that's fine. But if he wants more of a pride of place than that, then we're going to have to start imposing limits on him. That's the blindfolding thing. And we're all different in the way we do this. Think about yourself and your own character. Some of us blindfold God and punch him in the face by saying he doesn't exist. That's how we shut him up and we get on with our lives our way. Some of us are a bit quieter about it. We go from day to day seeking our heart satisfaction in anything, anything but God. What, what we basically do is give him the silent treatment. A lifelong freezing out of the one who made us. Are there parts of your life where you hope God doesn't see? Are there impulses, moments, situations where you want to do one thing and you've got the blindfold ready to say to Jesus, you don't get to call the shots here, Jesus. That is sin. That's us. We're sinners. We want a blindfolded God. And you know what? From God's point of view, that's not okay. In Postman's Park, the memorials tell us stories of people rescued from burning buildings, from canals, from being trampled by horse and cart. And we need rescuing from something much, much more serious than any of those things. We need rescuing from God's anger. And each one of those people in the Postman Park kind of situations, they knew they needed rescuing. You're in a burning building, you know you need rescuing. So let's be clear as day. We don't get to treat the maker of the universe this way and get away with it. We don't get to put a blindfold over him and hit him out the way. God will pour out his anger on us forever. That's the situation. That's why we need this sacrifice, this rescue. So let's think again about our unique kind of sacrifice. Remember, he said, Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. So come back to the night of Jesus' betrayal. He's got blindfold over his eyes. The, the blows are coming at him. And as he's being beaten and he can't see, he knows in his heart, I'm dying for these men. Jesus died for sinners, people who blindfold him and hit him. That's us, we've said, sinners, people who want to blindfold God and hit him out of the way. With all our might, we've tried to make Jesus into a blind and useless God who won't come anywhere near us in our lives. And what does he do? He lays down his life for us. Why would he do that? If God is so angry at this way we've treated him, which I hope you would agree is offensive, why doesn't he just finish the job? Well, this is a unique kind of sacrifice. God demonstrates his own love for us. His own love for us. What could possibly motivate God in all his anger to rescue those who hit him in the face and want to limit him? Love. In your mind, is God the mean head teacher in the sky who wants to beat you with a stick? Is he a distant, unknowable deity? Maybe he's there. This, this sacrifice, this love, just blows that idea out of the water. He can't be some vague God, the distant father you never knew. He passionately loves us to the point of sending his own son to die for us while we were his enemies. But here's the thing, and this came up in the song we were just singing. Even if we're Christians, we can really struggle to believe the idea that God 
truly, totally, totally, passionately, with abandon, loves us. That can be hard to believe. Isn't he just a little bit holding back his love? I must be the exception. He knows my dark places. He knows how hard I've hit him. There's got to be something in God that is just a little bit unsure about pouring out his love on me. Well, what's going to convince us? How about a demonstration of his love? Listen to this. God does know exactly how hard we've hit him. He loves us, though, with such devotion that despite this way we've treated him, he laid down his life for us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Let it sink in. He knows exactly how hard you've hit him. But his love doesn't hold back. Not one bit. While we were still busy throwing punches, he sent his son for you. How does it work? We get how normal sacrifice works. You know, someone's in danger, so you go and get them out. The car's coming towards them, so you push them out of the way. We don't have a car coming towards us. We have the anger of God ready to meet us on the day we die and meet him face to face. How do we get rescued from that? Here's how it works. In love, God the Father sent his son, Jesus, who on that first Good Friday was crucified on a cross. And in the most unique, unparalleled kind of sacrifice the world has ever known, the Father poured out all his anger on Jesus. All the anger that he has at us for the way we've treated him on Jesus. He treated Jesus as if he's the one who throws punches at the Father. Jesus was punished as if he was the one who wants nothing to do with God. It couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus' life was perfect. He was completely passionate for the Father and obedient. Yet he laid down his life for us, on our behalf. He took the hit for us. Jesus was treated like an enemy of God so that this day we could be treated as friends. God demonstrated in full technicolor his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died in our place. Come back with me one last time to Postman's Park. Wouldn't it have been tragic if those people who are in danger, ready to be rescued, turned down the rescue? I mean, can you imagine? You're in a burning building saying, no, I'm all right, thanks. We are not, off, not fine. Let's be really clear, things are not okay for us, between us and God. But God has set off this firework display of his love for each one of us by rescuing us through the sacrifice of his son. Can you see that display today? Can you see that full display of his love in the death of his son for you? Why would we turn down that loving rescue? There's absolutely no reason why Jesus should have died for those people who blindfolded him and punched him on that first day. There's absolutely no reason why God should rescue us, but his love. So will you let him rescue you? Will we give up the fight against God, admit that we're in this eternal danger and pin all our hopes on Jesus? Maybe as someone who trusts in Jesus, you, you just don't feel at peace with God. You're restless. You're maybe thinking that this love and rescue can't be that simple. 
It can't be that complete. There must be a little bit of anger left from God at you. A little bit of love holding back. Listen to this and surrender to it today. God has demonstrated his love for you in this. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Shall we pray? Lord, we, we admit that we are guilty. We're ashamed of what we've done. And we struggle to comprehend that given the grievous offense of our sin, you could love us, but it's true. It's real. It was played out in history. Your love is a historical fact in the cross of Christ. Lord, we thank you. We offer you our praise and our worship and we want to put our hope in Jesus today for our rescue, to receive your love, to know peace with you. And I pray that we would all here, maybe for the first time, maybe we need it afresh, that we would all know peace with God through Jesus Christ. We love you, we worship you, and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.